welcome to the Press Forward podcast. I'm Nathan Wrigley, and I'd like to thank you for joining us again. And if this is your first time with us, I hope that you like it, and that you find it useful. We release the Press Forward podcast each week, and we'd love it if you added us to your list of podcasts, the ones that you consume regularly. You can do that by subscribing to us on your favourite podcast player. This is done by searching for WP and Op. Today, we're going to be talking to Daniel de la Cruz. But before that, please let me tell you a little bit about what WP and Op do, and how you might get involved. We're a registered charity with a mission to support and promote positive mental health within the WordPress community. Join more than 4,200 community members taking the next steps towards better mental health. Connect with our team to discover your best personal journey. Build companionship. Connect with professionals and develop skills to cope. You can find out more and become a member today for free at wpnup.org forward slash join. WPNUP deliver free to end user support. To provide tens of thousands of hours of support, we need your help. It costs more than a quarter of a million pounds annually to fund WPNUP, and this is made possible by your donations. Please visit wpnup.org forward slash donate to ensure that we can continue to meet the needs of our community. We'd like to offer a shout out to some of our supporters. So, automatic, get Dolly, Funnel Packs, Weeglot, Winning WP, WPMU Dev, and Yoast. We really appreciate your help. If you'd like to share this message of support, please use this pre-written tweet, which you can find at bit.ly forward slash WPNOP dash thanks. Thank you. So today we're speaking with Daniel de la Cruz. He's on the podcast to tell us his story from childhood through to the present day. And there's a lot in there. We start right back at the beginning, at a time when Daniel lived in Germany. A mixture of difficulties with his family life and trouble at school led to problems with drugs. At this point, Daniel's life seemed to be following a certain trajectory and there was no real way out. But as we find out, there were some positive influences during this time too other family members who Daniel was able to look up to. The key moment was when Daniel moved away from the town of his early childhood and was able to completely reinvent himself, unencumbered by the shadow of his former self. We hear about how things started to work out for him and eventually how he came to the UK where he attended university and started up some of his own businesses. It was not all plain sailing though, Troubles with money and a sense of purpose still dogged Daniel. But he got through those times too. At the end, we find out that Daniel is now working in a successful digital community of like-minded people who are all trying to assist one another along the way. It's a very frank discussion and Daniel is very honest and forthcoming. And so, this is a trigger warning that in this episode of the podcast we do touch on the subject of substance abuse. And so, without further ado, here's Daniel de la Cruz. 
My name is Daniel De La Cruz. I run a community called the Agency Collective, which is a peer support community for agency owners. And I was introduced to you guys actually from multiple places, from our members who all thought, you know what, it would be a good idea for me to chat to you and talk about the topic of mental health. And particularly, I've talked about this topic quite a lot from an agency owner point of view, from a business owner point of view, but we can definitely widen the scope on that. And that's why I'm, I'm here today, you know, and also share, I guess, some really raw stories about my own life as well and give people an opportunity to either connect to those, you know, maybe there will be things that would resonate and also for people to actually, you know, look at their situation and maybe reevaluate it based on some of the things that I'll be saying. Daniel mentioned that he runs a community called the Agency Collective. For those of you not familiar with this, I asked Daniel to explain more about what it is. So we're all about human interaction, which obviously right now is a bit of a challenging thing in terms of running events, live events and things like that. So basically what we, what we do is we have events for agency owners to come to where they get to meet each other. And, you know, there's always someone in the room that's sort of slightly ahead of you of your agency and can give you some tips on things that, you know, you probably have a really big challenge with right now. And you don't know the answers to. So we do, you know, meetups and, and those sort of things. But we also have uh, panel discussions with other agency owners or experts. We do talks and also we have a Slack forum so we basically use slack for general kind of 24 7 support and again it's very kind of peer-led so people posting questions about anything from like what crm systems you use all the way through to we've just lost our, our most important employee you know how do we go through this right from a perspective of both the mental side of things the mental health side of things but also from the perspective of operationally how to solve a situation like that so that's pretty much how, how we operate I wondered how the Agency Collective got started. Perhaps this was as the result of something that happened in Daniel's own life. Without making this part of the reason why the Agency Collective exists or how it exists too long, basically it was a joint venture between two companies. One of them was an accountancy firm for agencies, the other one was a non, like a non-exec services type you know, con consultancy for agencies. And they got together because they wanted to help smaller agencies um, essentially those that they couldn't really work with on a one-to-one -one basis and just give them a little bit of an access to their services, to their knowledge that they have about running agencies. That's how it started off. I only came on board for sort of a year and a half after that. Now, the interesting thing about my story and how that's then transitioned from it being a little bit like, you know, the, the show for the accountancy firm and the show for the consultancy firm and turning that more into a actual peer support community had come from me actually having experienced the unfortunate situation needing to close my agency. A lot of people that know me, you know, I mean, I've spoken to thousands of agencies. The knowledge I have now is absolutely amazing about agencies. And I wish I had that back when I started off my own agency, but I didn't have it back then. And I did a lot of mistakes and I had to close the agency. And I, that experience was kind of a trigger point for me to go and, and start talking to people who had gone through similar things, but also ones who just wanted a bit of support and advice. And I guess kind of get to that point of like, what's the worst that can happen? Because that's always a really interesting point when you close your business. You kind of have all these things that come up like, oh, who are you gonna let down, right? That you've promised that you're gonna make this a success. Who 
other people around you that doubted you and said, oh, this is never going to work. You know, that's the first thing you have to deal with. The second thing is obviously all the operational madness, like winding things down and letting staff go. And, you know, all of these things have massive, massive impact on you personally. And then and then the third thing is, you know, your own kind of feeling of what do I do now with my, my life? Right. Like this is it. This was the thing that I built my whole life around. And that's a really interesting point. I kind of came out of all of that and I came out of it with quite bad financial situation as well. And then I always say this to people, I realized at that point, actually, we don't need a lot in life. We really don't need a lot in life. All we really need is water, bread and a roof over the head. And that's what I had in that moment. And that was kind of like stripping everything away, all the complexities of, of life away. And you know, and, and I'm here and I'm running a successful business now and it's going really great. And I can share these stories with people when they go through these tough times and just go, hey, do you know what? It's OK. It's all right. And you can start again as well. That's the hope. So we're three business partners. My two other business partners, they run the accountancy firm, which is called The Wow Company. And uh, that's their day job. And then my day job is essentially run the community. And with the community, we're a really small team. We're three people, super, super amazing salesperson on board who's who's called Anne. And she's just great, like real, real superstar. And so is Ellie. Ellie's our community manager. And between the three of us, we run the show, basically. Yeah, I mean, we have an extended network of about 3,000 agencies. And then our kind of closed network is around 500 agencies. We're going to pivot the podcast now to focus more upon Daniel's life. He has quite a lot to share, and so I asked him to rewind the clock and tell us about some of his earliest memories, his childhood. I think it's really important to open up on these things, and I'm more than happy to speak openly about all this stuff, you know. So again, I always say to people, look, bit of a rawness alert up front, you know, I, I do speak very openly about stuff, and if any any of these things sort of trigger something in you, I apologize up front. I got no intention of doing that. You know, for me, it's all about just being transparent about things and, and allowing people to, like I said, look at their life and maybe reevaluate things as well. And, you know, saying all that, everything that I'm going to say, it's it's all perspective, isn't it? Like for me, I look, look at the way I've grown up and I go, do you know what? Yeah. Okay. I grew up in, in an environment where my parents were just really violent with each other. There was always constantly physical violence, shouting and stuff. But in the end of the day, I look at that and I go, do you know what? There's other kids that grew up in much worse situations, right? So the reason why I wanted to put that into this conversation was because one of the things that I find really, really fascinating is this concept around ambition and where ambition comes from. And I'm constantly analyzing it. And there's, you know, there's so many different theories. And one of the things that I guess from my personal experience that has driven me has always been kind of, I've always been a person who's been driven by the uncomfortable and the, I would say a little bit the chaos. And I think it's an interesting aspect around mental health because if you channel that well and if you're, if you're well balanced and you feel really secure, like that can be a really powerful way to push you forward in a positive way. But that's also probably the quickest way to go down a really, really dark place. And I find that quite interesting always. So, so like I said, for me, you know, growing up in a violent home meant that that had an impact on how I was doing at school. I got kicked out of multiple schools because of my aggression at school. And I wouldn't take crap from no one and just, you know, go and kind of live my, my life and down that route. And I fell into drugs very early on 
Um, I always say this, you know, I did my first line of cocaine when I was 13 and really kind of just went from one chaos to another, really. And at some point realized, actually, if I don't change my life now, like the train's going to go. This is it. I'm either going to end up in jail because I had problems with police all the time, or I'm going to be moving on to the next level of drugs, which obviously would have taken me into, yeah, at a whole nother level. So I need to get away from that. And that was my driver. That was my massive driver. It was like, how do I get away from this chaos? And it's really interesting because I find myself often when everything is going comfortable, like when everything is comfortable and everything's okay, it's almost start searching for things to make it a little bit uncomfortable. And I find that fascinating. I've, I've never explored that in detail from a psychological point of view, but I could imagine that there's quite a lot of people listening who, who go through exactly the same thing, who try to search for that constant push for, for the uncomfort to basically drive them forwards, right? Daniel had to make some very important changes to the direction in which his life was going, and he had to do them at a very early age. This must have required a good amount of tenacity and resolve for someone so young. There were a couple of trigger points, a bit of background in terms of my the wealth level, I guess, that we had at home. So there was no money, pretty much, right? Like money was probably also a massive cause of conflict between my parents constantly. And so essentially no money, which led to loads and loads of problems. My dad generally wasn't someone who was good with money as well, which led to more problems. And, you know, my mom was sort of trying to kind of figure things out, doing three jobs at the same time. And it was just a little bit like full on. And this was going on for years and years and years and years. And there were a couple of things that sort of made me change my perspective on things. And one of them was my aunt and my uncle. Uh, my uncle was very successful with, with a business. And essentially, they had a very different lifestyle. And my aunt sort of took me under her wing. And, you know, I experienced very different, different things in life, suddenly realizing being on the beach here and in this holiday and just eating out and dining, things like that. These are all really nice things. And, and life is different and life is nice. And there can be things that could be great. And she kind of tried to also teach me discipline around things. And, and that helped a lot as well. So I kind of looked at my uncle and my aunt as a role model a bit. And when I don't want to be like my uncle. I want to build a business and be successful and all these sort of different things, you know, and that was kind of one of the drivers. The other driver was there was a time when I was doing quite a lot of acid. And for anyone that's listening, I don't, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I guess if you're quite in a fragile state and you're, you know, you're young, like 15, 16, it can have a really, really bad after effect a couple of days later. I had a couple really, really bad trips. And as a result of that, realized that the people that I was hanging out with were not the right people. I thought they were all trying to do things to me and do things purposely. But obviously, that was probably me hallucinating and, and just going a little bit, you know, um, insane in my own mind. So that was another trigger. And I've kept on getting backflash. And, you know, I was at school and suddenly, like, everyone in the school kind of turned around and looked at me and started talking to me and, you know, like just really weird hallucinations and things like that. And I was like, this is not normal. Like I need to get out of this state of mind. So that was another thing. And then the third point, which actually worked a little bit in my favor, believe it or not, but my parents divorcing, that actually really helped because essentially my, I ended up moving with my dad and, my, and we moved to another city, 
which meant I could actually disconnect myself from all of the people that I was hanging out with, which obviously were constantly pulling me back into this dark place. And that was really good. So that was kind of like a, almost a clean, clean slate and just going, right, I'm just not going to talk to any of these people anymore. I was just being really selfish. I need to change my life. So these people can't be part of my life. So I grew up in Germany and I grew up in a, in a small town just outside of Frankfurt. And then we moved to Frankfurt, basically, which is about 25 minutes, 30 minutes drive in terms of distance from the two. And it was funny because my mom still lives in that town. It was interesting because every time I went to go and visit my mom, I'd bump into like people and they'd be like, well, where have you been? Why have you not contacted us for a while? Like, are we not good enough for you anymore? And all these sort of things and, you know, really making you feel bad about that. But this was my life. And I was like, only I have the power to change that. And only I can decide what's the, you know, I can't change anyone else's behaviors, right? I can only change my own behaviors. So that was my thing. And that, those were probably the three triggers. So Daniel was able to make a fresh start, away from the influences which were causing his problems. A change like this could have gone in many directions though, and so I wondered if Daniel took this relocation to completely alter his approach to life, to remake himself in a way that would be more productive. That's exactly what I did. So I went into psychological support. So I did that. And, you know, and that that also gave me a little bit of uh, encouragement because I was sat around heroin addicts and, you know, crack addicts and stuff. And I was like, I'm nowhere near what some of these people are going through and sort of looked at my own situation, just went, you know what, I can I can go through this. So I did that. And funny enough, kind of like also had an opportunity to go to a new school and and it was really weird because I find it really interesting with things that you do in your life, right? I find this really interesting about like networks to me are, are a fascinating topic. The circles you operate in, like the way you behave, you kind of start, you know, attracting certain types of people. And then you, you go into new circles, right? Like all the time. So but for me, it was really interesting because I was now going on this journey of being clean. And, you know, I mean, I was still smoking weeds relatively regular. That was the one thing that was quite hard for me to completely stop straight away. But what was interesting, the, the less I was doing it, I then started meeting friends at my new school, uh, which basically are still my friends today. But most of them, actually all of them, I think, like none of them have done any drugs. Like they've, they've smoked weed, some of them, right? But no hard drugs and just really kind of very different backgrounds, family backgrounds as well. You know, a lot of the people that I was around in my early days were, you know, People from all, all from like really broken homes and, you know, just chaos in their own homes. Right. And here it was all these friends that actually like they've had really lovely homes. And yes, of course, every home has something as well. There's always a story of something. Maybe there's a family member that passed away or, or anything else that impacts their life situation, but not from a perspective of anything like we're constantly families are, are screaming at each other and things like that and just being in an environment a very very bad environment basically the situation in which we are raised has such profound implications upon our futures the country the parents socioeconomic factors and so on i often ponder how i would have fared had i been born in a different place at a different time I wondered if Daniel thought that he would have been able to escape the negative cycle he was in had he not moved away from home at the time that he did. 
It's a really good question. Very hard to answer. I suspect it would have been a lot harder. And my chances probably would have reduced significantly because it was also a small town. So everyone knows each other. You walk down the town, you always see someone that you know. And so, yeah, like I think my chances probably would have reduced significantly. And, and just the opportunities would have been much more frequent, right? Like, oh, you know, you bump into someone, they go, oh, we're just having, you know, we're having a drink here or we're doing this. Uh, I want to come along. Yeah, okay, cool. I'll come along for one or I'll do this or, you know, let's have some let's smoke a bong or whatever. And then that goes into the next thing. And before you know it, you're there for the next three days, right? So all these kind of things, absolutely. I think they would have, yeah, like I think my chances would have reduced significantly of, of actually making a change. I find it really interesting, you know, like if you look back in all the great philosophers of our times, right? The reason why they did what they did was because they could do it. They had the time to sit down and because they had no other worries. Whereas to be, a philosopher when you need to worry about the, the bread that you need the next day, right, is, is highly unlikely that you're going to be thinking about the bigger picture of the world. And I find that really fascinating about different levels of life. You know, you talk about like generations of entrepreneurs and things like that as well. I always find that really fascinating when, when people or or generally, like you have someone that didn't have any money at all, get money, then their kids grow up in that environment. And then how do they deal with the next generation? And, and that sort of transition through all those different generations, I find really fascinating in terms of how the values change of the people, but also how they how they look at life and how they how they operate. Like, are they are they going to be just as driven? Like, I don't know if my daughter is going to be just as driven as I am because her life is you know, a lot more comfortable. And, and so I always find that really fascinating. And I totally agree. I think so much about circles. And I always encourage our members as well. Like, it's quite interesting. We have these, I call it like our three sort of layers of, I guess, networks that we have. So we have this, our network of agencies that are mainly sort of our smaller size agencies that are probably about one staff to 10 staff, roughly. There's a large proportion of those. And a lot of those never, ever make it beyond that point because they don't know what you need to do to get beyond that point. And then we have this other layer of, of agencies that are basically agencies who are probably turning over around a million pound, two million pound, three million pound, that sort of range. And again, really interesting. They they sort of live in their own kind of circles and talk to each other quite a lot. And then we have another layer, which is the people that we have in our network that are like either non-executives or advisors in, in various different formats. And I find it really fascinating because the knowledge and the experience that sits within that top level is so different, so different to the knowledge and experience that it sits at the lowest level. And it just goes to show if you if you're really smart, what you do is you hang out with people at each one of those levels you don't just operate in the same space. You know, it's exactly that same thing. You know, if, if I'm just going to be hanging out with Germans all the time, right, because that's where I'm from, then I will never be able to expand my horizon. I'll never be able to, to see what's beyond. Then I'll probably won't be able to take my life to the next level. The example that you use, I think, is a really good one. And, and I totally agree. I think it's, it's so much about your, your networks and the networks you operate in. Although it can be really hard and sometimes uncomfortable, there is something to be said for trying out new things, for having a go at something new, exposing yourself to situations and people who are unfamiliar to you. 
I think that's a really good point that you make because one of the things I notice a lot as well is that some people, and I used to do this a lot, like I used to do this a lot because exactly for that reason, I came from a background where it was like, essentially my dad and my mom would put people on pedestals all the time. And so I didn't know any different. Like I would put everyone on a pedestal and just go, oh my God, they're like this. And therefore they're on the, you know, on the pedestal. And I almost go into this mode or I used to go in this mode where I talked to these people and I couldn't even say anything because I was like, oh, they're just, they're like God. And I think that's a real problem because actually, do you know what? They bleed the same blood and, you know, we're all human beings. We're all same. We're, you know, we've all felt pain. We've all felt happiness. You know, we've, we've all laughed, we've all cried. We've gone through so many similar experiences on the core of things that actually we are so similar. Going into a scenario where, you you know, maybe you go into a room where there's five or six people that are all much more successful than you are in business or, or whatever it is, right? Like and have much more life experience or, or anything. Like there's no reason you should treat them any different than you would your friend or or anyone else in your network. You just be yourself and they might like you and they might not like you. That's it, right? And I think that's a really important aspect, especially when you go into circles that are generally of people of higher influence and, and wealth and so on, right? They're just the same human beings as you are, basically. Daniel moved from Germany to the UK. And having made the point that he'd once moved and benefited tremendously from the change of scene, I was curious to know if this move was prompted by the same desire to shake things up and alter his life. Yeah, I think there's two elements to that. So one was, again, I kind of like wanted to just get a little bit further away from my family, you know, just arm's length distance, because being around them constantly just always ended up in some sort of argument and I just thought you know what I'll keep my distance I'll do my thing and I think you know the experience that I went through with my friends back when I was in my dark days I think that experience had led me to be quite I don't know if this is the right term but solitary you know like very someone who just goes and does stuff on their own and it's really interesting because in that process I've had to learn to become quite extroverted in everything that I do. And I think actually at heart, I'm more of an introvert because I always feel like I get loads of energy from being on my own. And then when I'm around people, I just get really exhausted after a while. But loads of people know me. They're like, oh my God, like you're so good at socializing and, you know, just going up to people and talking. I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. But that's because I've learned that over the years. And so I think for me, I was on this massive mission of just becoming successful, whatever that meant. I had this picture or this role model in my uncle and the lifestyle that my uncle and my aunt were living, and I just wanted to be successful. So I knew that I needed something bigger, some some bigger change. And you know, at the time, I, I had a British girlfriend. She wanted to move to the UK to study, and I said, you know what, I'll, I'll go as well. And yeah, that was one reason, obviously. And then the other reason was just, like I said, to get a bit away from the family and, and just continue on my on my strive to becoming successful, whatever that meant. <laughs> Being an entrepreneur means different things to different people. I wanted to know what businesses Daniel had been involved with since his arrival in the UK. 
When I arrived in the UK, I had to first adapt to the culture and everything. You know, I knew nothing about sarcasm or, or any of those sort of things. It was a culture shock for me as, as you know, growing up in Germany. Yeah, I was like, are you, are you serious? Is that really, you, do you really mean that? And they go, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's called sarcasm. So that was, a, that was an interesting experience for me. As I kind of learned about the, the British culture a lot more and kind of immersed myself into university. At university, I quite quickly realized this is actually not really what I want to do. Um, so I was studying marketing and I was at a, the University of Arts London and, you know, it was quite a creative uni. Great place, lots of interesting people, but the course was just so boring. And I kind of did it. I think I did a little bit the uni thing as well again, for like maybe that recognition and just going, you know, my parents both didn't go to uni. They sort of went, oh, well, it'd be great, you know, for the first one, the family to have that degree, you know, that, along a little bit along those lines. And then I realized this is actually not what it is. And I think I probably would have been better off shadowing a, an entrepreneur or something like that because I would have learned so much more. But what I did end up doing is started organizing events because actually I realized there weren't any good parties um, to connect people within our course. I started, I kicked that off, and the first event we had about 300 people show up. It was amazing, and you know, I was like, there's something in this. So I started building a brand around that. In the kind of process, taught myself around like design and, and website development and all those sort of different things, which I've been already been dabbling with quite a lot um, over the years. But I did the whole the whole brand and everything, and then I, I kind of informally set up this business and started having people that were informally or volunteering basically to help out with promotion and things like that, who just wanted to be part of the of the crew basically. And and I did that throughout the whole uni basically. Came out of out of university, and it actually didn't didn't end up working as a real business when I then had to you know leave uni, and and so I I, I quite quickly shifted from that and, and, and got a got a real job, right? Which was working in agencies. So I did that for a while uh, in various different roles. Always very attracted by the kind of UX side of things as that was sort of evolving and, and becoming more and more popular. So I did that for a while and then I just decided to go freelance. And I was like, this is, this is so much better. And while I was freelancing, I sort of fell into running my agency basically, which I then built up and you know started hiring people and just was a massive catastrophe in the end. Um, and the main reason for that was it was the first time in my life I actually had money. And for, I'm going to say a poor kid, I'm not, I wasn't poor, poor, but like, you know, for a kid that didn't have a lot of money, suddenly having money is also very dangerous. And I'm not going to lie, I absolutely like wasted, wasted so much money from the business. Uh, you know, all the profits went back in my pockets and, you know, just, just went, went mad with it. And essentially, just had to close the business as a result of that, really. And it was doing well, you know, that was the problem. It was doing well, but I stripped it apart. I basically lived completely over my means. And yeah, it's just, that was a hard lesson to learn. Maybe just kind of rewinding on something as well. You know, you were saying like the lottery of how you grow up, where you grow up and all these sort of different things, right? I read this book a couple of years ago called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it's really interesting because you read that book and you go, well, do you know, these are exactly the kind of things that you don't get taught at school and you don't get taught by parents that don't have money, right? And I think probably if I would have had a bit better education at home about like how to keep your money and, you know, what to do with it, what's the sort of long-term view on, on, on investing and, and, you know, all these different things, I probably wouldn't have been in that situation. 
you know, that definitely would have made a difference. But because I didn't have any of that knowledge, to me, money was like, oh, I got the money, oh, well, I can spend it. To the excess of, oh, I can even go into debt and actually, that's interesting, I can spend more of it as well. And nothing, nothing happens. And I guess when you come from an environment where you've had very little and you've been in, in much worse problems, you kind of almost become numb to certain things like bailiffs and things like that because you go, what are they going to do? You know, like, and I think that's a really dangerous point to be at where you almost go, well, actually, do you know what? The system is probably going to catch me. And I think that was like my biggest lesson, basically. And, and since then, I've never had any kind of debt anymore, you know, just kind of turned my whole life around, basically. Started from a friend of mine who basically offered to stay in, in his house in Maidstone. So we moved out of London, my ex-wife and, and my daughter and I, and we basically moved out to this house and the the house was great. It was a fantastic house. He wanted no one to live in it. He just kind of had it as a spare house, just managed to, to build that kind of wealth in his life and said, how much rent do you want to pay and go and rebuild your life? And that was amazing. We basically pretty much paid him nothing. And that was the ability to just do that and kind of start again from scratch, basically. I love that Daniel is not afraid to talk about his failures and he talks with such openness. To have come to terms with the circumstances and decisions that came to bear upon him and take responsibility when it was his to bear. Since those times though, things have been much more carefully planned and executed, I would have expected. Well, do you know what? That's the beauty of my setup because I've got two business partners who run a accountancy firm. So, you know, they've got me in check, that's for sure. But it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey. And, you know, it's the first time I've looked at business in a very different way, not just to make money. I think it's really important that you do think about profit in your business. I think it's a really key thing because like a business can't operate without profit. So I think it is an important element. But kind of looking beyond that and going what kind of what other areas of the business can you build out and, and, and also improve on yourself, right? Like leadership and all these elements that are super, super important about building businesses. And that has come a lot from working with my business partners who are very experienced and just kind of cleaning everything up, you know, cleaning up all the drawers and just going, right, okay, what do I need to do here in my personal life? What do I need to do with my personal finances? What do I need to do with the business finances? You know, how do we run a sustainable business and all these sort of different questions that you need to ask yourself. And I think that's also a really key thing. I think for a lot of creative people, so I don't know what the sort of split of your audience is, but yeah, I think a lot of people that are creators, sometimes they don't want to think about the life stuff, you know, like your personal finances and all these things. They almost like become these topics of, oh, I just want to get on with things. But you have to, you know, you have to take a step back. If you're building a business, you have to go through a shareholder agreement set up. You have to do that. If you've got conflicts with your business partners or you need to buy someone out or you need to do that, you have to go through that process and you have to then think about it from your own personal perspective as well. And I think that's sometimes really hard because it, it means confrontation. And confrontation is, I think, something that you definitely learn from running a business, that's for sure. Having been through all of these different businesses, Daniel decided to pivot and to offer up a community of people trying to sustain their digital agencies. I asked Daniel to explain how all of this came about. 
So basically, I met my business partners at a similar time when I closed my agency as well. And they turned around to me and they said, look, we're looking for someone exactly like you to take this thing, the agency collective, off our shoulders, basically, and, and just run it, go and, and make it your own thing. And I had gone through quite a sort of lengthy process. There's a chap called Adrian Lomas, who I'm forever grateful for as well, who's, who took me through this phase as well. And he said, do you know what? Go and put loads of post-it notes on the wall five-year plan and just go like, where do you see yourself, you know, next year, year after year, you know, and, and just do a five-year plan and look at different aspects, look at different opportunities that you have, what things are like, what are the core pillars of that journey? And I did that exercise and that was a really good exercise because it sort of gave me a little bit of perspective. And sometimes when you're in that hole of having closed a business or going through like a tough time, it's really good to sometimes just take a step back and just stop and reflect and just go, okay, let's look at the bigger picture here. How bad is the situation actually? Probably not as bad as what you think it is, right? And when you look back and you start putting back perspective on everything and you look at your whole life, you go, ah, interesting, actually, I've got all this time to do this and that, and I could do this. And then I started kind of exploring ideas that I've always wanted to do. And and when I met my business partners, like it just seemed such a perfect fit, you know, and I really liked them. And I just thought, you know what? this is what I want to do. I think this is what I want to do. And I really felt like deep in my heart, this is something that I can, like I can live doing every single day. You know, I think that kind of alignment between your own personal values and the values of the business that you run is so important if that's aligned to your vision as well. So our vision is to be the best peer support community for agency owners in the world, right? That's our North Star. Everything aligns to that. Everything, every single conversation we have aligns to that. Like if something doesn't fit into that, it's not, it's not right for us. It's not part of where we want to go to. And, and I can like hand on heart stand up on, on a stage at our event and just go, what you see here, like, this is me. There's no, no bull crap, right? Like, this is me. This is me. This is who I am. And what I reflect is what I reflect from the business as well. And that I think people appreciate that in the community, which makes the community really like a really strong bond between people because they realize that actually the people running it like wholeheartedly believe in what they do and why it's why it exists. That's a really key thing about running a business, I think. And then I mean, even anything, like if, you're, if you've got a job, right? Like if you don't feel, I think, I think I can tell the story. Yesterday, I went to a charity event and it was really interesting. I met this guy and we had quite early on in the night, we, you know, he was like, oh, should we have some shots? And I went, yeah, sure, go on, right? Let's have a shot. And sort of towards the end of the night, I noticed that he got more and more drunk. And he was a relatively young guy. And I had asked him, like, you know, how long you've been working for the company that you're at? And he's like, oh, it's, you know, it's like, what was it, third week or something like that in. And you could tell that he was just getting more and more drunk, right? And then eventually, I think one of the people working in the company who was a little bit more senior sort of, you know, almost took him aside and went, you know, look, it's time to go home. It's time to go home and, and stuff like that. And it's really interesting because I'm, I look at that situation and I go, like I get the whole, it's time to go home. But then the guy came back, the, the, like the more senior person. He went, well, do you know what? This is probably going to be his last day. And I'm like, really? This is a reason for you to let him go? And I just thought that was really interesting, right? So I'm obviously not naming any names here because I don't want to name and shame anyone. I think the story is quite an in- interesting one and, and fitting to what I'm trying to say. Because basically, okay, yes, it was about drunkenness. But this could have been anything, right? Like this could have been, maybe he doesn't dress the way they like and then that could be a reason for him to be you know outcasted from the rest of the team and eventually him going do you know what? i don't want to work for this company 
And I find that kind of thing just really like that just fascinates me. And, and the fact that he can't work for this company and be the way he wants to be. And I think that's a real that's a real problem in a lot of especially bigger companies. You know, you just have this culture of, ooh, you've got to behave in a certain way. And it's like, no, I don't bloody want to behave in that way. Right. I want to be me. You know, and I want to embrace my own individuality. Like, I think that's such a such a key thing. And, and if you can't do that, I think you're definitely in the wrong job. Yeah, it's a fascinating topic. So I think that for me was was like one of the reasons why I, I ended up doing what I'm doing now, because I just felt this was going to be full alignment. 100% alignment between myself, my personal life, my values, things I believe in, and the business and how the business operates. purposes of the Press Forward podcast is to lift the lid on topics that don't get talked about enough, to allow people to share their stories so that others might listen, and by listening they may gain an understanding that they're not alone. There are other people out there who face the same situations that you are facing. They have found a way through and can offer support to you on your journey. Maybe that person is already in your life, but they might not be. And that's what WP&Up is here for, to connect you with the support that you need. So, if you're able to, please help us so that we can continue to support the WordPress community. You can donate at wpandup.org forward slash donate. That's it for this week. Please let us know if you're enjoying the podcast if you're finding it useful or helpful. You can reach out to us at wpnop.org forward slash contact. There's a serious point to all of this though, and that is that WPNOP is here to provide help and support. That help is available for you or the people that you know, and it can be easily accessed at the wpnop.org website. Please spread the word about this podcast Tell your friends and subscribe on your favourite podcast player. And remember that together we can hashtag press forward. <laughs>